Hi, welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home, the podcast dedicated to helping pet professionals feel less stress and find more joy. My guest today is Allison Leslie, a licensed clinical social worker in Bloomington, Indiana, who is going to talk with us about consultation. So welcome, Allison. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have you today. You have a very different job than most pet professionals. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and and why you're a pet professional? (laughs) Sure, yeah. So I'm kind of, as you said, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm one of those lucky ones who gets to include animals into the work I do. So my master's program from the University of Denver, and I graduated with a certificate in animal-assisted social work. So I have been bringing animals into my practice for, gosh, over 10 years and mostly canines. Although when little kiddos want to bring in their gerbils or rats, we um, (laughs) accommodate for that too. And we really are including animals to help the therapy process and to help people feel supported and grounded, allow them to see who they are through the lens of an animal, which is supportive and loving and empathetic and create a relationship with a new living being to support the beginning of new schemas for themselves. So it's really Mm -hmm. just a beautiful process. And I love the availability of including animals who want to do this job and who want to work in the healing process. Well, you just said two things that I think are really important and I want to circle back to. The first, animals who want to be involved. That's a hugely important piece for me. But I also really loved the part where you said, reflecting back some of the person's good qualities in a way that they could see them. Yeah. You know? Um, So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So I think that a lot of people come who come to see me are are wounded in some different ways. And they often see themselves through a really negative light for whatever reason Mm -hmm. that may be. That might be negative self-talk. That might be previous experiences. And when they're able to start forming a new relationship with a therapy animal who's accepting of who they are when they walk in that door who wants to sit with them or who may decide I want to get up and walk away. And then the client starts to think, Oh, they don't love me anymore. I must've done something wrong. And we just pause and observe and they just notice, Oh, Ray's just getting a drink of water. And then she comes right back. They're able to see that has nothing to do with me and that this animal does want to spend time with me. And Whoa, Mm -hmm. what is that like to have a living being? choose to be next to me. I've never experienced that before. And maybe I can have an emotion that's big and this animal still accepts me. That's a brand new thing too for a lot of people. So, So as they create relationship, they're able to see themselves through the lens of that animal that I'm lovable. And sometimes, you know, I've worked with kids who that's the first time they've ever felt that way, that, wow, this living being accepts me. And that must mean the things that have happened to me aren't my fault. I'm a lovable human being. And so it's, it's really powerful and amazing to, to be in witness of that healing and that relationship that can be created in a really safe container. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful to see mm-hmm. that and to give people a chance to rewrite the stories that they're creating in their head too. Exactly. The, you know, when the animal walks away and they're like, oh, Mm-hmm. that's because they don't like me. And you're like, no, 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 she's just getting a drink. Here she comes, you know? Yeah, that- and and, to, and not to even have to say that, but to just let them be in witness of it and mm-hmm. to have the animal come back and then to watch their own reflection and their own changing of that schema happening in the moment is sometimes the only way that happens for people, right? It's yeah. different than if I walk away, they, I, I say something. <laughs> the animal doesn't. And so that nonverbal communication is such a key factor in that as well. Mm-hmm. 
So you and I met at a conference and started talking nerdy about polyvagal (laughs) theory and all sorts of other things. And the subject of peer consulting came up. Can you explain what that means for our listeners? Yeah, I can. So to me and to kind of in the in the world of research and things like that, peer consulting is really a guided process that has the availability to be confidential. So that's so important, right? In some of the work we do that we can have confidential conversations about what's happening in front of us. It's an availability to debrief what we're experiencing, to be able to push our growth edges and the lenses we're viewing our work through with an outsider who can take a like a backward stance to see things in a new way and light. And so it's just a really nice guided process that open-ended, confidential, and usually done by somebody in your working field who has the expertise and the lenses to share what you're doing with. Okay. So break that down to, let's say, you know, if I were a vet tech, Mm -hmm. what would peer consulting look like in your mind? It, um, in my mind, it would look like talking with another vet tech who has similar experiences as you do in a very intentional guided practice to say, this is what happened today. I'm struggling with the way this animal reacted. Maybe I'm struggling with my own reactions to this or the way we set this interaction up. And let's look at it in a new or different way. It also allows the person to feel validated in the moment. Oh my gosh, you did that right. That's amazing. As well as to say, huh, I wonder if we would have done it this way, or I wonder if we would have flipped that around. What are the other ways we might have seen this behavior through? So it allows you to reflect on what is happening in that moment, what that vet tech is doing with right, because there's so much happening in that room. There's what's happening with you. There's what's happening with the animal. There's what's happening with the animal's owners or the person who brought that animal in and trying to manage, you know, three or four nervous systems and have everybody be together as a team can be really challenging. Mm -hmm. And then when we go home, we often beat ourselves up about, man, I wish I would have done that differently. Or gosh, I don't know, understand what was happening in that moment. And peer consultation can really give you an intentional conversation to talk that over with, to feel supported in, and to see what maybe we want to keep the same, or maybe what we want to be curious about next time. So I think that that's a really important piece. The whole idea of reflecting on experiences. Awareness is a huge part, like learning to be conscious of what happened and and how we reacted and and all of that. But then the the part of reflecting and looking and saying, well, that was interesting. What what can I learn from it? And what could I do differently in the future? So how does this differ from just talking to a friend who also has the same kind of job? What what is the difference? Yeah, I I think the main difference is that, again, it brings the intention back is what's the intention of this conversation. So when I I do consultation all the time, you know, personally, um, or, or professionally with other therapists, and it makes me sit down and say, what are my things I want to talk about to reconceptualize a case so that I can explain it to a new listener or a new ear. So it brings more intention to what you're wanting to get. And I think also, when we're working in consultation, we know we might be challenged. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our friends aren't playing that same role. Our friends want to be supportive. They want to say, of course you did right. Oh, that was a horrible, whatever that other person did. And you didn't (laughs) deserve that or whatever, because that's their job is to support us as friends. And in consultation, we're opening it up to say, hey, 
support me, but also challenge me, also help me expand my growth edges so that I can learn a little bit more or go in deeper, see a different lens. And I think sometimes our friends don't offer that for us for lots of reasons. And that's okay. That's not necessarily what a friend is supposed to be doing. So I think consultation just allows maybe a deeper, more experiential way of noticing what's happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. I think having the framework is really helpful Mm -hmm. because it, 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 I guess the intention word that you just used is probably the best way to say it because having a goal, there is a goal for this conversation. We're not just shooting the breeze or talking about Mm -hmm. what happened today. There's, there's a goal here and, and the goal is growth. Yeah. And debriefing of gosh, it's, you know, it's challenging all the work we do. And we know that anyone who works with animals, we have a lot on our plates and there's a, a huge high rate of burnout in this work that we do. Oh yeah. And talking about, <laughs> you know, suicide rates for veterinarians, all, and, and those who are um, sheltering and caring for animals who are really on that front line of, of really challenging things to hear and listen to and see mm-hmm. when we can have consultation to debrief all of that. It also helps our own vicarious trauma that we go through every day and allows a new lens of support to be seen when sometimes, you know, our friends who maybe are in the same field, but man, it's hard to say, do you want to listen to this again? (laughs) Not everybody (laughs) does. It's really, that's a challenge. And so we can say this person has really dedicated their time to listen to whatever I need to say over the next hour to help me grow and to help support me and really feel in connection with that is so beneficial and helpful. So it sounds to me like this is something that everyone could benefit from. Is that your feeling on it? Mm -hmm. That is my feeling on it. I think that anybody who's, anybody really can really benefit from having dedicated time to talk about their work with somebody who's not intimately involved in that work and in that moment of time with you. It's challenging to be able to see all the pieces and parts when we're really so far deep Mm -hmm. into it. And so when we can, have somebody who's stepped back, who can observe it instead of be a part of it. It allows us to be to become a little bit more distanced and to become an observer as well. It's like that invitation to observe what's happening in that moment. And so I think anybody across any volunteer or professional milieu, whichever whatever it is you're doing, can really benefit from having that back and forth dialogue about what's happening with us and, and with our animals. Because advocating for our animals, which is what all of us are doing every single day is saying, what's best for our animal? What's best for this animal that's in front of me? Um, can be really challenging sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and trying to also do what's best with, for whomever that person is that's with that animal, because yes. we're dealing with them too. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think having a third a third party, not, well, not a third party. That's the wrong phrase for it, but someone who's not intimately involved in the situation and talking it through with someone has a real power because I find that in my coaching calls all the time, that as people are trying to explain a situation to me, as they're giving me all the details around, they're starting to see things differently as a result because they're having to verbalize what exactly was happening in order to help me create a picture of it. So that alone is helpful. But then to be able to to then challenge the thinking around it and think about how to move forward with and through that um, is is really valuable in a way that friends can't do. Like I can't do that for my friends unless I specifically say, okay, do we want to, do we, which way do we want to talk here? (laughs) Because I need to be in a different spot to be able to be that person Mm -hmm. to 
to hear and reflect and help move things forward as opposed to just being a friend shooting the breeze and going, yeah, that, that sounds awful. You know, that's really tough. Mm-hmm. A little yeah, bit of It's distance. a different negotiation, right? Mm-hmm. And with your consultant or whomever you're choosing to do that consultation with, you don't have to negotiate that. That's already been taken care of. You know what the goal of this call is. You know what the conversation is going to provide. And with a friend, you don't, you don't necessarily always want to negotiate. This is what I need from this moment, right? right? Sometimes it's so great to be able to ask our friends that. Sometimes it's nice to just have this one person who also then, you know, as we come back to month after month or however times you need consultation, then has an awareness of what that client is or what that mm-hmm. moment was so that you can come back to it time and time again, which is also really nice to have that continuity kind of yes. there a little bit. Right. So you have to start over every single right. time. Yeah. <laughs> So if I were to give you a magic wand and you mm. could create a world in which all pet pros had peer consultation, how would that be developed? How, oh, how are you going to make that happen? Good question. Well, I, I think that's what we're all trying to figure out right now is that, you know, I came through consultation because my, the modalities that I learned for therapy require consultation. And then we, my colleague, uh, Molly DePreckel and I were saying, gosh, nobody's really doing this for anybody working with animals. And this is so healing and so important. And I think just starting to say, I think we can offer consultation and here are the reasons why, you know, we both teach for the University of Denver in their Institute for Human Animal Connection. And so when we're giving feedback, it's almost in that same kind of realm a little bit. But I think just saying, this is my level of expertise. This is who I feel comfortable working with in this kind of realm and starting to dialogue who is in my network and who might be able to be supported by this. And I think the other thing that's so important with consultation is that we can remember there's also group consultation. Mm -hmm. So you can really create your own small community of people who are willing to challenge each other, people who are willing to support each other and sit with each other time and time again to really be in connection and in support of one another as coworkers, as colleagues, as under the umbrella of pet professionals. And I think if, if we start to invite ourselves to formalize what this looks like, we can really support each other in new fun ways where we can feel like we're in connection and supported by an actual team of people who have our backs. And that's sometimes a challenge in our work environments for lots of reasons. They're chaotic. Everybody's so busy. So if we just take a step back and are able to say, huh, you know, these are the experiences I've had throughout my career and throughout my life that I think could be supportive for other people to know and feel and, and see, and I can support those people through their process. I think that consultation can be really easily adapted into any field and any, um, area. It's just who wants to do it and who feels that they have the capacity to hear and handle those moments and offer the support that's needed. And the critical, sometimes the critical eye that's needed at the same time, right? And that's a balance. Right. Right. So if somebody was interested in a pet sitter says, I want to find five other pet sitters and we're going to do group consultation together, what would be your advice for them as they're getting started tips? Oh, good question. I think my tips are just to negotiate what your goals are, what you're hoping to gain out of consultation, maybe who's going to lead each week because there's so many times where you need just somebody to be organizing the conversation and so people aren't talking over each other and things like that. 
And then to really say, what's the case or cases we want to talk about this week or this month? Um, what are we going to gain the most out of? Sometimes we have one big case. And then as we start breaking it down, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that dog or that's that other case. Oh, yeah. And so sometimes when we can say, here's a really big one and we're going to break it into pieces and then everybody's needs are meet, are able to be met through that one conceptualization and, and case description then that can be really nice too. So just really negotiating with each other of how long do we have to talk? Who wants to present a case? Who wants to listen? And who wants to just kind of be the leader of the conversation? Not the one who's doing all the talking, but just who is navigating the time and all that good stuff. Right. Sort of facilitating it and making yeah. sure it's moving somewhere. Mm-hmm. So with your magic wand, how often would you have people meet? Oh, I would say at least once a month or so. I think that once a month check-ins are really nice. It allows enough time to explore what you talked about in the last call and the, to really kind of push those growth edges or notice those things that you were invited to notice or, or do the same or do different, but not too much time where you've lost your connection piece or too much time has gone by where you're like, oh, I can't remember where we left off. I think sometimes, you know, if you have a really challenging animal or person you're working with, consultation can be done more than that. But I think at least once a month is a nice, is usually the average amount of time that I think most people utilize consultation with. And that seems like a frequency with which most people would be able to carve out the time to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because if because weekly consultation, that's, that's time consuming. And we sometimes just don't have the time or the capacity in our week to hold that. But once a month feels like, okay, I can be supported and I can carve out that two hour, one hour chunk of time. So what impact do you think it would have on our professions? Because we have a variety of professions that overlap. If this became a regular standard normal part of practice. Everyone just expected that they were part of some sort of pure consultation group. Yeah, I think that we would we would see a lot less burnout. I think and that's one thing that really, you know, research on consultation provides is that there there's higher rates of um, the availability to stay in high demanding jobs that take a lot out of us. We would feel more engaged and more supportive. I think consultation also gets our kind of our creative juices going and flowing a little bit more as we dialogue and talk. And Mm -hmm. also maybe gives us an idea of how to have fun again. Sometimes we go into these jobs. We want to work with animals. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to, I'm, and we can get our joy back a little bit when we have the availability to talk about the hard stuff, because as we talk about the hard stuff, you know, the other side of the coin always flips over and we see the joy and the good that we're doing. And sometimes we get bogged down by all the yuck that we don't get to see the joy anymore. We don't get to see that great outcome. We forget to, to take time to notice it. And I think consultation really offers that opportunity to see the yuck and the good and to be in a um, supportive community where we feel in connection and we're not alone. And so many of us are doing these jobs by ourselves. We have our Mm -hmm. own dog training business or we do have our own pet sitting business or we're in private practice or I volunteer with my animal, but I'm not in a group anymore, you know? And when we're no longer working in a silo and we're working in connection with other people who, who can experience the same things we do, we get that connection back and that felt sense of safety again. And that allows us to really then expand and be curious with how we can support each other, with how we can support the animals we're working with. And it also shows that, you know, if we're working in a specific protocol or a a specific modality of some sort, right, like clicker training or whatnot, 
it, it helps you get back to the protocol you learned. It's, it's a mm-hmm. reminder of, oh yeah, that's what that is for. I remember I did that forever ago and I forget those things. And so it brings you back to what you were doing in the first place, which is always really good reminders. So, so I think it can offer so much, but I think the best thing it can offer anybody in this field or who's working with animals is a supportive community to really help with that burnout rate, because that is one of the most challenging things of that we notice across the line of everybody who's listening is the burnout piece. And when we can really be in connection, that really supports us being able to stay in the jobs that we love. We chose because we love them. There's not a lot of other reasons you go into the animal fields, right? Except for your love for animals. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to get back to that place. Okay. So that sounds like wonderful nirvana. I mean, it just sounds so amazing if we could have all this. So clearly there are some hurdles in the way before we can make it happen or otherwise it would already be happening. So what are those hurdles that you see and how are we going to get over them? Sure. I think that some of the hurdles are just not knowing that this is available or not being introduced to it. You know, I was not introduced to the benefits of consultation for 10 years as a therapist. And now I'm like, oh, wow. Like I see the benefit of that. I think the hurdles, the other hurdles are sometimes we as practitioners and those of us who are doing any type of work don't want to admit that sometimes we need help. And I think, or that we want to do this, that that would feel good. And I think that when we can frame consultation as a way, not as a, oh, I'm doing something bad, so I better reach out to somebody. But as man, I want to be in connection with somebody else who's doing this, who can help me see what I'm doing well and maybe challenge me. I think that's a big barrier. And I think saying, knowing somebody who's offering consultation is also challenging because there's not... Yeah, there's just, it's just not talked about. It's not out there. And, you know, you you can call a professional and hope they call you back. But I think that's the great thing about formalized consultation is that it says, hey, I'm available and I want to do this work and I want to talk with you. So I think if we can find more people who want to offer consultation, if we can let ourselves be vulnerable, that consultation would be important and impactful, not only for ourselves, but the people and or living beings no matter what species that may be, mm-hmm. would be beneficial. Those are probably the two biggest challenges. And yeah. then making the time and saying, this is important enough to carve the time out to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a really key piece. And the more we talk about it and the benefits of it and just normalizing it, like, yeah, of course, this is a totally normal expected thing that we do, mm-hmm. as opposed to a feeling of, well, maybe if I need or want that, it means something's lacking in me. No, it means you're awesome and you're keeping yourself strong and you're willing to learn and grow. I think the more we talk about it, the easier it's going to be. And that's Mm -hmm. been a big hurdle for all of us, I think, is that we haven't been talking about the hard parts. We just are watching people struggle and going, oh dear, I hope that doesn't happen to me, but not really sure how to avoid it. Right. Yeah. That's really well said. Right. How to avoid it. And I think being able to say, hey, this is happening to me and or I can see down the road that this will happen to me if I don't start doing something to help me and help the living beings I'm working with now. Then we see that happening all the time. And that's, you know, really, really good, good people who just can no longer do this work. Yeah. And often they 
continue showing up, <laughs> yeah. but they're not doing it at the level that they could if they felt better. And and that seems even worse in so mm. many ways to me because, well, to be honest, when I first heard about burnout and started learning about it, I assumed it was like a stop. Like you just got to the point where you couldn't. And so often it shows up differently. It shows up as that you just keep driving forward, mm. but you're not serving yourself or anyone else at the level that you could and should and would feel good about it's if you could see those signs. And I think that by having this image of, well, I'm still showing up, so I'm fine, yeah. that hurts us. Yes, right. I Yeah, thank you for saying that. I completely agree. That does hurt us. And because our window when we started, right, was this big and we had such capacity. And now we only have this, but we're still showing up thinking we have all of this. And mm. everyone expecting we have all of this still. Yeah. And we just don't. But to admit that to ourselves, right, oh my gosh, is so challenging. And so we ignore it. And then we end up not being able to help in the same ways we did. And then that becomes, you know, negative self-talk and all this yuck Mm -hmm. that is in the background um, that really doesn't need to be there when we can have a supportive team around us to consult with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. This is, I think, very helpful. And I hope that the magic wand arrives soon for you so that you can just make it all happen for us immediately. That would, (laughs) that would help on so many levels. If people wanted to learn more about you and your work, how could they do that? Yeah. So they can go to carnshealing.com and we have a little link for consultation down there. And we have a great article that we wrote from for a Latham letter um, that talks about the need for consultation in this work. And so all of that's linked there. That was in the um, uh, December uh, 2019 issue of Latham. And then you can also go to the University of Denver's Institute for Human Animal Connection and see my teaching profile and things like that there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allison. I appreciate you being on today. Thanks so much for having me. Before you go, did you know that I offer free coaching? Yep. You can get a coaching session absolutely free. Coaching is a great way to help you meet your personal goals. But the only way to know if you'll like it is to give it a try. So head on over to ColleenPilar.com to sign up for your free session. I'm really looking forward to talking to you.